what's up gamers to the uh epic crossover uh streaming event of the century um you guys have demanded that we have another crossover happen and uh it's your boy adam sidorius the host that you know and love but also from it's the Ernest. multiverse i'm joined yep Ernest from the multiverse from universe 696 or some shit 69 um, 69 69 420 420 um <laughs> uh he's come in uh cuz I, I feel like we talk usually anytime you're on the pod you talk about one of these content things that's actually good question mark um right like better than the that but at least above average <laughs> yeah well what was the last um was it loki was that the one that you came on for for the marvel yeah um, um i remember we talked about mando season two so right. i don't know which one was more recent than that yeah well the, the point is it all blurs uh in the in the name in the game of the streaming wars and content especially the disney plusification <laughs> of it all yeah. um it's, i'm excited it's all... this is this is a cross pod we're putting this cross up pod. on both of our feeds on aok mm -hmm. and wabam um yes and i think that you know we we had to we had to do the old predator handshake yeah. uh meme here because yeah. of all our friends we are the only two that are still on the star wars train uh everyone yeah. else has jumped ship um, God, what you compared to the other day? You were like, it's kind of comparing like people that have been clean, yeah, for a few years. Uh, it's to like everyone else, like... everyone else got clean, and <laughs> I'm, I just feel like a fucking just heathen drug addict, like telling them like, no, they got the good stuff again, man. Yeah, man. It's well, and, it, and, <laughs> it's and it's really blue, and it's really funny because you'd expect that to be from something like, I don't know, like a Moon Knight, which I liked, you know, or like um a boba fett or like an obi-wan you know you mcgregor's back you expect the good shit but a casting an andor limited series get the, the fuck guy out of town. from rogue one yeah like no <laughs> like one's the favorite third character. most memorable character in that movie and even the best. first most memorable character is not memorable like yeah you know when this sh show came out or when it was announced um and much like honestly it's very much like the mcu where when Loki was announced, both of these shows, I immediately went, I don't care. Right. Because especially like with Loki dying in Endgame or uh, Infinity War. Um, and then and like, the obvious setup in Endgame of him Endgame, like grabbing yeah. the cube and being like, here I go to my spinoff. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like I, I did not give a shit. Follow me um, on Disney Plus. Exactly. You know, um, <laughs> I mean like even, um, actually that's a Black Panther spoiler. I don't want to, I don't I think that's a little too soon. But if you've seen it, you maybe know where I'm going with a certain character as a Disney Plus show coming out in that movie. Um, but you know, with like Loki, I was kind of amazed by that show to an extent, you know, it it still has some misgivings here and there, but I was like, oh shit, it's like about something and it's very character focused and colorful, and I really enjoy it for the most part. Um and or in the same vein, I Saw was announced. I I heard like it had the biggest budget of a Disney Plus Star Wars show. Um, I saw the cast and crew they were assembling, building practical sets, and I went for Andor. 
like what are we doing yeah, guys? It, it was like a scratch your head moment i remember the first peak of mm-hmm. it was at some uh, maybe like investor day thing or something and uh it was just like what like first of all why are you even making this show in the first place yeah. and second of all why are you like putting so much creative effort into yeah. this project that literally nobody asked for nobody yeah. was clamoring for the andor show yeah no i mean i mean right before the pod we were discussing the gilroys are in the mix you know not only are they in the mix they're like the creative forces behind the show um you know you have some really heavy hitter directors and writers per episode um i would say out of all before jumping into like our full thoughts i would at least say out of all the disney plus shows and this includes marvel includes star wars includes the santa claus limited series it has the santa clauses santa clauses sorry plural um <laughs> i can't believe um, that's a show hey can Allen re- should just be a movie them. like ah yeah i want to see that me. jolly beard on the screen again um by the way how stupid do those conservatives feel right now the ones that were like white year doesn't have tim allen is he canceled by disney and yeah. like five months later as a show <laughs> it's like no i'm cashing that um, check baby <laughs> um no but what i was gonna say was i i think out of everything they put out um this has the tightest focus um it does not feel like it has an identity crisis it doesn't feel like had like a writer's room even though it very well could have it doesn't feel like that at any given point it feels like one singular vision um to the point of where it does things as simple as like traditional tv cliffhangers that feel exciting just because it feels like an actual show and i know that's kind of a low bar but the way the show does it is just immaculate it's it's masterful it's truly i would say one of the best shows of the year um definitely in my top 10 which Um, is crazy it's crazy because i've always i've always been ever since disney plus has has been a thing or even any like big sort of ip show i always knock those down (laughs) a few slots in my list because i'm like Mm -hmm. you're fine you don't need yeah you don't need the recognition like you're good yeah this one i feel like has earned a spot in the top yeah. 10 just out of sheer just quality mm-hmm. and i guess the 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 piece of it you know standing out from the pile of content <laughs> yeah. you know it just it yeah. feels like this uh <sighs> what's the word i kind of like uh it <laughs> for some reason the word that came to mind is rebellion it's this rebellion absolutely against, like the 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 flattening of culture in the streaming mm-hmm. age and yeah. you know i don't know if if we can if the top of the episode is the time for this conversation maybe we can table this to the end but like the sea of Disney plus content. And and I hate the word content, but it really is that like as, as deep, the deeper that we get into these and more, the more she hulks and moon Knights and, and Obi ones, it just feels like more slop and I'll leave. Well, that's what they call it. I'm the first one. Yes, they do. Yeah. 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 Like in the earnings calls when, like when they're discussing like the stars of it, call it content. Like, I feel like, 
<laughs> we need to dirty that word again. Like we need to like discipline ourselves and say, no, that's not a good word. That's not a good mindset to have when but we're does making. It, but things. doesn't She-Hulk feel like content? Doesn't Miss oh, Marvel 100%. feel like content? Like it earns, yeah. at a certain point, it earns yeah. the name if it's just like another tile that you click on your screen yeah. and it doesn't feel no, like a yeah. like a real story you know yeah all i'm saying is if you go like like if you're a creative and you're going into it with the mindset of like i'm creating content yeah just on a like a fundamental like principle level i think that's bad for art even if it turns out to be really shitty i don't think you should like go into it with that attitude um and to be fair i it's maybe the same thing why like I know like Avatar 2 coming out and we haven't seen it yet, but like and that's like a Disney vehicle, but it does not feel like one because like it feels like James Cameron respects himself enough to like not call his stuff content. He calls it like this is an experience. This is like, yeah. a film, yeah. you know, and it really it's feels like movie. if you ask it's a real yeah. movie. <laughs> yeah. And like it feels like if you asked a Gilroy, like what if they would consider this content, they'd be like, no, like, what are you talking about? Like, they'd be like, fuck off. Get yeah. the fuck out of my face. <laughs> to the point of like, I was really surprised by like episode. Um, I forgot what episode that you meet. Not meet, but when you see um Stellan Skarsgård's um uh, uh Luthen, when you see his like collection at his shop, there's so many like Easter eggs in the shop of like Mandalorian armor yeah. and like Jedi robes and stuff. And to the point of where I was like, I didn't see that coming because like I would have expected zero Easter eggs in this entire show from the way it was just poised at the beginning. Um, I guess it's a good point to jump into it because at the beginning, it does not feel like any other Star Wars at all. Uh, It opens in a seedy, disgusting, rainy bar at night. Um, There is not an ounce of real excitement. It opens very melancholy, almost like Blade Runner-esque. Um... Yeah, seeing Honestly, things, yeah. seeing things that we don't really see in Star Wars, you know, yeah. these these very kind of gray areas uh, yeah. of the universe, the all of the the muck and the dirt of the underbelly, mm-hmm. and there's always been, you know, areas in in the movies that suggest that and that kind mm-hmm. of like give you an idea that that that's there, but we've yeah. never had a story like really centered in that, mm-hmm. and there's been times when like. We were told that there was going to be a story uh, centered in that, like Book of Boba Fett comes to mind, right? Like that solo to an extent, yeah. Solo, right? Like that's yeah. the it. It was we were we were led to believe that it was going to be that, and I think for the first time we actually get a story in this world that really is fully, uh, you know, kind of birth from that world entirely oh 100 percent. yeah it's really and you know also to your point like even the original like a new hope you know like when they meet han solo it's at a grimy bar but a lot of it's played for like laughs or like just world building of like seeing like aliens and creatures at a cantina you know but there's something really interesting about seeing a depressing depiction of like this isolated planet um it's just like a place that like empire and imperial officials go to drink after a long shift you know there's so many simple things like that in this show where it's like day-to-day things that are like star wars affied for lack of a better term that feel very like specific 
and it feels like the kind of world building that doesn't feel tiresome but makes it feel real the kind of world building that i think george lucas was very fond of back when he was you know doing his thing um it i mean it's really i think the first episode is a great example of how to make the perfect pilot because it establishes everything the series needs in like the first 10 minutes it had like when i was watching it for the first time i was in awe and i got the screener link for it so i saw like a week or two before it came out so there were no reviews for it i didn't i didn't know i thought the trailers looked pretty good i saw the rogue one re-release so i watched that like extended preview i thought it looked cool i was like okay oh in the theater yeah and like it played like a motherfucker and because like uh and I, it was episode four, I think, when he officially fully meets Luthen. That entire like fight scene um, oh, in the three. factory. It's three, the end of three, right? My bad. Well, twelve episodes. It's hard to keep up with <laughs> which episode everything happens in. Um, well, well, they, they, the the season is structured into sort of these mini arcs, so that might mm-hmm. be a way to a good way to structure the conversation. Yeah. Well, I was going to say that um, that's the scene that they showed in the IMAX preview was that conversation between him and nice. Ethan. And when I was watching that in theaters, I was like, oh wait, this is like compelling dialogue. And like, I'm interested mm. just based off Buddy. acting and conversation. <laughs> you had no idea what was yeah. coming. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, of course it cuts like a reel of action and like uh, special effects, which all looked good. But I was like, I'm really like hooked on that dialogue though. Like, do you have any more of that? Like, let me, let me get in on that. Yeah. You got any more of that? You got another hit of that. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, you know, that's the one thing I was worried about, you know, clicking play on the screener for the first time was, you know, how is it going to stick the landing, so to speak? And, um, or even like in the first episode, will it prove me right? Like, is my anticipation valid? Because I think honestly, I was at the breaking point. If this was not good, where I was like, if I anticipated a Rogue One spinoff show and it was bad, I'm Boo Boo the Fool. Like I'm like I'm done. I'm never like, I'm never doing this again. Like yeah, I can't. like they got your like... hopes up for something <laughs> that just seemed like a bad idea from the yeah, jump. Exactly. <laughs> um, but no, like I mean, from the jump, like from the minute this starts, dude. Like I, it, it just, it's like a concert. It's like amazing. Um, like I, I, and that and when I said it's a concert, it's a concert for people that love like noir and like like weird niches of Star Wars, like the rebellion and like um like like the little political undertones of Star Wars are very like broadenly explored in detail here. Yeah, it's like um, it's like the what the prequels what Lucas wanted to do with the prequels. Yeah, a, a truly political story is what this. Yeah, is. yeah, I would say this as a whole is very reminiscent of the best aspects of the prequels and the best aspects of Rogue One, and it's exemplified into one massive season of television that is entirely good. There's not a bad episode. It it escalates. It gets better and better and better. And I got to say, like, you know, they they dropped the first three. And I thought it was I thought those first three were good. I wasn't like head over heels, especially Mm -hmm. because like, you know, like we've been saying, like, this is this is the slop. This is the Mm -hmm. content slop. And I didn't want to get my hopes up and I didn't want to, like, look like like the fool that, that you were saying. And I watched those first three and I was like, okay, this is very promising. Obviously, like I love Tony Gilroy. 
Mm-hmm. Michael Clayton is a fucking banger. One of the you best know, movies of all time. Yeah. yeah, he he worked on the Bourne movies. Like the the guy is street cred. Like you know, we know he's good. And then, uh, some folks might know that he did a lot of of a cleanup job on Rogue One. Um, I like Rogue One. It's not mm-hmm. one of my one of my favorites. Um, I don't think there's anything particularly wrong with that movie. I just think that it's you know it's fine it's it's a fun movie yeah um I, I think I, it's it's a simple it, yeah it's very pretty like it looks nice but it's just a very simple story of like how the rebels were able to steal the plans for the Death Star that led to the destruction yeah. of the Death Star and there's not I, that much more to it yeah I really on that last IMAX viewing because I used to be like one of those Rogue One is overrated guys. I really only saw it because my girlfriend never saw it in theaters and she really wanted to go to the re-release. I know classic blame it on the girlfriend for mm-hmm. why you went. But then I saw <laughs> it and I was like, I, I saw the re-release after not seeing it in a few years. And I was like, wait, is this great? Like I, I it just hit different. <laughs> it for in a, some in a reason post it did. Rise of Skywalker world. <laughs> you know, maybe that's it. May and also like, you know, post Boba Fett, post Obi-Wan, you know, it's just, you know, not things that I necessarily hate, but you know, to one degree or another are like underwhelming and you rewatch rogue one and yeah like it has flaws don't get me wrong it does but like tarkin tarkin's tough it's it's tough yeah you know DGI um, tarkin. but my main complaint used to be like the first act just blows and then it gets better in the second and then the third act rips which made me feel kind of like uneven about the movie if you watch it from the lens of like the first act is really about showing how messy the rebellion is and that's why the movie is sporadic and then the more the Rebel Alliance forms, the more, cohe- yeah. more cohesive the movie gets. And if you watch from that angle, it's kind of beautiful, like because that's what makes the third act when they're on like a literal formation hits so hard. Yeah, the team. I mean, the maybe, team comes together as the rebellion comes. It's together. really good. Yeah. So maybe you know there's a lot of you know what rewatching it and then watching Andor going into it, but. I mean, like I said earlier, like in the first ten minutes, you know, when he he kills the uh, the guards on the planet, um, like in the opening, you find out that he is a guy who's not really he definitely like leans towards the rebellion ideology, but he this is the time where the rebellion's not a thing yet. It's it's know? a lot of different rebellions, and we we come to find this out later yeah. um, that it's this very sporadic, mm-hmm. ununified effort. To yeah. chip away at the empire, yeah. and I think that, you know, just, just to kind of get at like my biggest takeaway from the show is mm-hmm. I think the reason why I'm so kind of taken with it and and why I think it's worthy of like genuinely trying to win people back into Star Wars, um, because I get it, like Obi Wan, it didn't do it. I'm yeah, sorry, no. it just didn't do it. Book of Boba Fett, even worse. Like as mm-hmm. as fun as it is to see those action figures come together and smash mm-hmm. into each other, you know. <laughs> oh my God, it's Luke Skywalker and yeah. Ahsoka. Oh, yeah. It's like it. That's it. Just I I get the desire behind why you want to do that, and it's probably setting up things that are probably going to pay off later. Whatever. Yeah. As a as like a show, as a TV show, it made me feel nothing. It literally didn't oh, make me feel yeah. it was just something to put on the TV and just like yeah. disassociate, which is like the worst thing you could say about something as special as Star Wars. And Absolutely. to watch this, 
now that we've seen the whole season, like it's so crazy that um this is like in the same world as those shows, mm-hmm. as Mando and and Obi-Wan and Boba Fett, because there's no mention of Jedi. I don't think they even say the word Jedi. You don't see yeah. anything in the world of Skywalkers and and everything that's sort of like rooted in the iconography and yeah. the the sort of roots of why why Star Wars is as big as it is. This is taking an, a huge turn away from that and playing with these familiar um building blocks that that George Lucas laid, you know, the rebels, mm-hmm. the empire, these types of things and telling like a really really compelling and interesting story in that world. It doesn't betray mm-hmm. the world. Maybe it it doesn't paint with every color in the palette of the world, which can be a separate conversation, but it uses those things to tell one of the most fascinating stories about like oppression and, and uh, how terrifying and sinister an Imperial force can be like when you hear about the empire, it's like, Oh, they're the bad guys. You know, it's very light and dark. It's very much like you and me on the Zoom call right now. Like I'm the light and you're in the darkness. And there's no <laughs> there's no mystery behind it. You know, I'm yeah. Luke Skywalker and I'm part of the good guys and I'm going to destroy the Death Star. Here we go. And I love I love it. Like who doesn't <laughs> love Star Wars? Right. Like, yeah, I'm not going to go on here and talk shit about like one of the best movies of all time. Yeah. But. This show is interested in 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 the the little the little yeah. details, the little in between connective tissue, the cracks in between. How does a rebellion form? Yeah, what I mean, you leads literally see to a, a rebellion. You like literally see like the fucking IRS of the empire. Like you yeah. see the like <laughs> you know you. You the see, corporate security, like yeah. third party guys, but and and like the I think the really like this is and I agree with you. Like the first three episodes, I would say we're like I agree with you. They're good, and maybe it's a solid setup. It's a great setup. Like I think in retrospect, if I rewatch them, I would like them even more. But like in the moment, I was definitely like there's so many threads that I thought were great. I just wish there was more momentum. But then, like, you know, when you get to four, it's, like, no questions asked. But the thing that I – one thing I really liked in, I think, the first two or three episodes was how it shows, um, you know, how much the Empire and, like, the Imperial officers and all those people are really being fucked over themselves by their own system. Especially Cyril, uh, who is yeah, kind of how how sorting. How are those cracks – where do those cracks come from? The cracks that lead to – the destruction of the Death Star and the fall of the Empire. How yeah. does that happen? How how did those cracks begin to form from the start? Yeah, yeah. and especially like with the the serial character, who I would say is like one of the more compelling characters, not only in the show but in Star Wars in quite some time. Is you see this guy who is just so he he has been spoon fed like just propaganda his entire yeah. life. Yeah, he's tell. a good like, old boy. He's a good boy, you know. He like he straps up every morning, goes to work, his nine to five. He has tailored he, his outfit. Yeah, he runs that shit like the navy. You can tell it's like a familial thing. Like yeah. it, it's like a a job he was told he was going to get at the age of twelve. And he goes, but his, his coworkers look at him and and they're all like, "Dude, you are taking this way <laughs> too seriously." 
And I, this is not that serious, dude. <laughs> and that's such an interesting angle, right? Because it's like so often, I mean, I don't, maybe you can point to me another direction of it, but like, I can't remember a time where you see an Imperial officer, or an empire figure in the star Wars universe other than this is a very niche thing. It's star Wars rebels with um David Oyelowo's character and that show whose name I cannot remember. I, I haven't that, seen it. Yeah, I know it's, it's a deep cut, but like, this is different and it goes better. Uh, you see this guy who, for all accounts, if the Empire wants to win, they should run it the way this guy wants to run it. And like the higher ups are like scoffing at this guy. They're like, dude, shut up. Like, yeah, let go him... away. <laughs> He's a petty criminal. Like, let him go. Like, why do you care about Cassie and Andor? Yeah. And at every turn, this guy has failed by this system, a very flawed system that he fundamentally be- like believes in. You see both sides of it. You see the, uh, the, People that haven't quite formed the Rebel Alliance yet, angry and are forming a Rebel Alliance that are mm-hmm. like, because they're so angry at the oppression of the Empire. But also on the flip side, you see a guy who fundamentally believes in the ethics or the lack of ethics of the Empire and wants to strengthen the Empire. Yeah. And you see both sides forming tighter grasps and like formation of like strategy. And it is captivating. And it is so reliant fresh, on like fresh for Star Wars. Yeah, a hundred. And that's the funny that's thing. This it, whole it, show, this whole show is just fresh for Star Wars. We've seen this type yeah. of like spy intrigue, mm. heist, prison break type of story before, but for Star Wars, it's never. I it's never been done. I, I, well, I would because we were talking. Uh, you know, like when does the show get great? And I would say it gets great at like the end of Episode Three where um Luthen and Cassian kind of meet up for the first time um you know Bix, yeah. you uh, want to fight of... these bastards for real yeah that's when the show gets great because you know it ends on that great action set piece with him and Cassian Cassian right you know now. doesn't yeah Cassian doesn't necessarily know if he trusts Luthen at that point even as an audience member you don't know if you trust Luthen in fact at the end of the series I don't know if I trust Luthen. That's the beautiful thing about the show. It's, it's such a well-written character, man. Like Stellan so Skarsgård, like he he deserves an Emmy run for this performance because yes, it's one of the most interesting characters in all of Star Wars. It it exemplifies all the interesting things about this show, um, about how, again, how a rebellion is formed and and the lengths that you need to go to fight an oppressor and the sacrifices that you have to make uh, to your own soul. I mean, the speech that he gives at the end of episode 10, mm-hmm. like I incredible, I I'm probably going to fire up that speech after we finish recording here, because just thinking about it now, it's just this delicious Tony Gilroy. Oh, it's well, it's actually Bo Willimon uh credited with writing that episode, but I'm sure mm-hmm. Tony um got his hands on that. But it's it's this delicious, like perfect summation of the sacrifice that you have to make in your own soul to your mm-hmm. own self sense of self and, and being in yeah. order to do what needs to be done to fight an oppressive force. And yeah. And, yeah, it's it's yeah. unbelievable. And that, that scene is so great too, you know, because like also like it, it's very much 
followed up after um i forgot the the guy like uh luthan's spy that he's like kind of blackmailing straight up um i forgot that guy's name but he gives a really compelling point about he's like you know i just had a baby or i forgot he's having a yeah, baby or i want to live my life i uh, mean yeah. that's all of us dude and that's he, all of us living in the world like the united states yeah. is an oppressive force the united states is the empire yeah we yeah, all no. live here and we're all complacent and we all just want to live our lives a hundred percent and it's like and that that's such a great scene because up until that point you think it's almost like uh you haven't seen this movie but it's almost like tar where tar is making great points and then you realize like or like the person against tar is making great points it's it's almost like that in a sense yeah lydia um, yeah we're lydia. gonna have her on the pod soon right yeah we have to call her uh i know she's <laughs> in deep water right now but um she's gonna uh, have to she's gonna have to uh dial in from an undisclosed number <laughs> um but like i i think that scene i honestly up to that point luthan is a very questionable character as a whole and you kind of question his motivations to an extent even though he has he's told people what he means but that's really the first time that it feels like he pours his heart out and you fully believe yeah. that he means what he says um and so like you kind of agree with that kid that young guy and you're like yeah like, like why like anyone else could do this job but then, like, he goes into, like, the reasoning for why he can't just pick somebody else, how deep this guy is in this position and why he, Luthen, chose this kid to do it and how, yeah, it's, it's vulnerable. Sucks. But you know what also He's... sucks? Oppression, like, yeah. the empire, like, all these things, whether you like it or not, are, like, bigger than you and are more important than you. And a rebellion, the potential of a flicker of a rebellion is more important than you. And it's devastating and it's heartbreaking and you're a hero for it, but it doesn't make it any less yeah. true. But and it, it's so we, good. <laughs> we we see Saw Guerrero in this show and in mm. in Rogue One. Um, if you've seen that movie, you know that you know, you know uh Saw Guerrero is this this really good representation of like what it means to be a a person on quote unquote the good guys mm. that's doing bad things and Very is much. is is going about the right thing in the wrong way yeah and he doesn't get a ton to do in that movie but just his presence in the story is enough to like start those gears going in your brain about like okay maybe the rebellion is not just like the stock good guys maybe there's more to it than this and yeah. that is just this avenue that gets explored so so fucking well in this show because that that that's just so fascinating to me to think about yeah. like what is the cost of a rebellion what is first yeah. of all what is the actual cost which we could get to when we talk yeah. about mon mothma but what mm. is like the the real like existential cost of a rebellion yeah. and and what are the lengths that you have to go to to actually yeah. succeed and yeah. i have i have the luthan speech pulled up right now mm -hmm. uh do you want me to read it because it's not that long. It's of like course. two paragraphs. Okay. So this is what he says. Because basically the, the guy, uh, what's his face? He asks him like what he's had to sacrifice. Mm -hmm. He says, calm, kindness, kinship, love. I've given up all chance at inner peace. I've made my mind a sunless space. I share my dreams with ghosts. I wake up every day to an equation I wrote 15 years ago from which there's only one conclusion. I'm damned for what I do. My anger, my ego, my unwillingness to yield, my eagerness to fight. They've set me on a path from which there is no escape. 
I yearn to be a savior against injustice without contemplating the cost. And by the time I looked down, there was no longer any ground beneath my feet. What is, what is my sacrifice? I'm condemned to use the tools of my enemy to defeat them. I burn my decency for someone else's future. I burn my life to make a sunrise that I know I'll never see. No, the ego that started this fight will never be a mirror or an audience or the light of gratitude. So what do I sacrifice? Everything. Just like all timer fucking <laughs> Star Wars moment right here. Yeah. Like, holy shit. Dude. Absolute home run out of the park. Yeah. it, it It's really beautiful. Like, it, it's really some of the best. I, you know, I'm going to go ahead and say it. It's like the best writing of all of Star Wars, question mark, I think. Like, it, at least if not the best, it's damn close, right? Um, because it's certainly I the most thought provoking. The, the most yeah. like able to dig into like yeah real ideas yeah you know yeah yeah and like i think you know i think rogue one and i think lost jedi to an extent they even like they really try to like at least set up the ideology of like the rebellion and like what those things mean and you know i mean i especially like with lost jedi you can't knock it too much because that movie has so much going on that's hard to be like a deep dive into rebellion. So that's where Andor, I think, really has an opportunity and had and successfully pulled it off the opportunity to be a deep dive into the formation of the rebellion. I mean, you said it earlier, like with the Mon Mothma thing, if we want to go into that, like that's also some of the most compelling stuff in the show too, because you wouldn't think, you know, it's a lot like what George Lucas was setting up with like the politics and the prequels where you're like, why would the funding of the rebellion be interesting to me? And he yeah. make they make it so captivating. Um, what Mon Mothma has to personally sell, like morally, ethically, like everything she with her fucking daughter, like that entire like mini arc towards the end, like yeah. what she has to do for that is like disturbing and devastating and like just deeply weird, and yet it's just feels very natural um that stuff is so captivating um but like all those conversations she has like with senators and politicians or just bankers you know like people like little ends that she has like people that are also deeply dissatisfied with the system they're playing a part in like i love that conversation but they're all in 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 cushy comfort Mm -hmm. uh horizon yeah then none like, of them are actually going to want to overthrow yeah. the empire because then they'd have to fucking live in the in the shit. Yeah, and one thing I love about um that entire dynamic is like how like just stupid her husband is, like how Ugh. clueless he is to the entire situation. Um, he truly has no idea what is happening. Like it's all happening under his nose, and it's getting to the point now where especially where this season leaves off. I'm very curious to see how she leaves her family by the time, let's say, Rogue One is happening. Because she's she's straight up one of the leaders of the rebellion. Like yeah, that's how that the, character was intro- introduced in the old. She's movies. the face of it. Yeah, yeah, she's the face of the rebellion. I mean, that's why you know in Return of the Jedi when they're about to go on Endor uh, or before the trench run in A New Hope, she's the one giving the speech. You know um rogue one you know like all these things like she is the face of the rebellion and it's really interesting 
now to see like her backstory and like how closely um i can't remember what episode it is you're better at this than i am but oh my god that it's a very brief scene but when she's talking to the senate and no one's listening to her people are heckling her and she's trying to like pass a guideline or a bill or something to like provide relief for the galaxy and they just no one's there in the first place and the people that are there couldn't give any less of a shit yeah you know it's that's somewhere in the middle i mean there's a couple different times that she does that she has those uh but you know that one like that really significant one where it i think that's like her breaking point where it's truly like all hope like any hope of like getting this done from like a professional level of her like position and power it just starts to disintegrate yeah Yeah. i mean that's that's a good point man because one one thought i kept having is you know especially because this movie is so tied to rogue one Mm. um the the word hope was used in that movie like so much a a rebellion Mm. built on hope you know the whole moment with leia at the end where she just says the word hope Mm. that theme is is obviously extrapolated from the original a new hope right it's this Mm -hmm. recurring idea in star wars of our heroes having hope that they can prevail against the evil forces of the empire and and it's returned to in the sequel trilogy and it just it keeps coming again and again and the genius of of gilroy and and the other people that worked on this show is instead of like relying on this kind of tried and true uh theme that star wars is known for they they invert it and almost every single character is fueled by the disillusion of hope mm-hmm. in every situation even cyril his yep. hope in the um in the in the in the system that he yeah. has devoted his life to mm-hmm. it, there's a dissolution there that powers his arc mm-hmm. um in 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 andor the the dissolution of of hope that he can continue to uh live his life the way yeah. he wants to without engaging in it and i think the the mon mothma piece of it too that she little by little loses hope in her ability to to be this kind of infiltrator in the system and and, and she realizes that that's not going to necessarily work out and i think mm-hmm. the biggest one of all in the entire show to me is the andy circus character oh in, my God. in the prison his yeah. hope the hope that he can live out his sentence and take his his clock down to zero and that he yeah. can be this leader of his prison uh group and yeah. and have faith that staying sticking with this with this uh system mm. that he will be free so and that that hope falls apart and fuels his arc yeah well i mean so i was gonna say i think those are like especially the andor point because i think that also retroactively makes rogue one and like his relationship with jen even better because like jen is at the beginning of that movie kind of in a similar position to andor at the beginning of the show like someone who they you know they definitely don't support the empire and they see the wrong of it but they don't they think it's a worthless fight you know yeah they want to stay out of it yeah and that's what makes andor like retroactively almost makes rogue one a better movie 
because it makes Andor's, you know, capacity and like persistence on Jin to be a better person make more sense because he's been in that position before. And now that you like visualize this and you see him in this position of like learning about what a rebellion can and should be and all these people that are fighting for it to happen, it's just really inspiring. And um, and also, you know, you bring up the anti-circus thing and I do want to talk about that. But first I want to go into that entire, I would say from episode of like what, four to six or seven? Oh, um, the heist. The heist. The money I heist. <laughs> I don't want to brush over that because yeah. it is- Well, because the prison, the prison is so good yeah. that you forget how good the arc before the prison was. And it that, almost and gets that's... overshadowed. And it's like, we didn't, uh, when we were watching- the uh what's that planet called where they do the heist aldani yeah when all the aldani stuff when i'm sitting there watching it i'm like this is fucking amazing and obviously i had no idea that the narkina five stuff was coming around the corner so yeah it's just like yeah you have to contact you have to put your brain back into that (laughs) mode of like okay we hadn't seen narkina five yet we didn't know what was coming yeah just watching aldani it was like the coolest shit ever (laughs) Yeah, I mean, because the, the the Aldani, I think that's a good way to put it, like the Aldani arc and the Narkina 5 arc. But the Aldani arc, as I was watching it, I was like, okay, so the show's going to peak here, right? Yeah. Like, it's going to fall off. Yeah, after we're this. building to a heist. Yeah. We're going to get the heist, and then that, that'll be, like, the best yeah. episode of the show. Yeah, yeah. And, and, like, the thing is, it's incredible. And, like, that's the moment, like, I'd say when the heist starts. And, again, we we prefaced, the beginning of the show is really solid, great setup. But I would say episode four is when it gets great. Episode five and six and seven. Bangers. Like all three back to back. I was lucky enough to like watch them back to back and I couldn't talk about it for weeks. (laughs) And I was like, oh my God. It was like, and I don't normally do this when I get screeners. I usually like try to space them out. I like had, like I stayed up to like 3 a.m. one night, like watching all the screeners. Because it was like one giant movie that I could not stop watching. Yeah. And um, the downside to this was having to wait a month for a new episode, which was painful. But getting to see that Aldani arc play out in real time, like just as a binge almost, is like the most satisfying thing. Because before we even get to the heist itself, like the way it sets up each character yes. in the heist. We care um, about every single person. We understand to some extent, like why they're there, mm-hmm. what's, what's motivating. And, you know, by the end, it turns out that some of those motivations may have not been as, as honest as, as we would have wanted them to be. But mm-hmm. in the process of, of meeting these people were like mm-hmm. so invested in their journeys and the reasons yeah. is why they're doing this. Yeah, I mean, and God, I forgot the character and the actor's name, but the guy from The Bear that's on the show. Evan um, Moss, um, Bachracker? I forgot his name in the show. Skeen, is that his name? Yeah. Uh, Yeah, Skeen. He is such an interesting character in the show because he is positioned almost aside from, um, God, what's his name? Um, the one who writes the manifesto, uh, Nemec, uh, yeah, yeah, Nemec, like Alex you, Lothar, yeah. I'd say other than him, he's the most sympathetic because uh, he has a heart to heart about his brother. Um, yeah. earlier, yeah, that's the, that's what that I was that's what I was referring to that it, he dude. wasn't as honest as we hope. <laughs> but that is such like 
because you know there's so many characters in star wars that are like dishonest yeah but i don't know if there's anything that's that much of a gut punch because of how convincing he is when he tells andor that story about his brother and why he's part of the rebellion and then on the flip side in episode uh i think i think the six is it when um skiing like turns uh, not even turns but he just shows his cards and he tells andor's like Eh, take the money just take it let's go but it was all bullshit yeah you know andor asked about the brother and he's like yeah you know i don't have a brother (laughs) i have a brother but but the way it's written you could go either way right like it's Mm -hmm. not it's not like a full-on revelation that he was lying the whole time it's just in that moment andor thinks that he is cassian thinks that he is and that's really all that matters but when you really look at that scene it's like maybe he was just testing cassian to see how honest he was about being part of the mission and not robbing everybody yeah and uh, the way i read it was like i think he is honest about either he doesn't have a brother or the brother was not like the motivating factor for him to do this thing well, like he had also a brother if the brother's dead if, if yeah. the brother's dead well then he's right he doesn't have a brother right like he exactly. wasn't technically lying exactly but to the point of where like it's I think at the very least, it signifies that he's also a sympathetic character to the extent of like, you question like, well, why wouldn't he be selfless? Like, why wouldn't he want to genuinely like make an even cause, like split the money? And you have to wonder, it's like, well, he's been oppressed by the system like everyone else. And like everyone else is doing it in their own way. And not everyone has the idea of rebellion in their heads. You know, this isn't a thing that you can join yet. The rebellion is not an actual cause that's enlisting. It's a series of decisions. It's a it's yes. a series of decisions made by people that are essentially ants to the empire. Yeah. Like these people's lives are being destroyed. And mm-hmm. to the empire, it's like stepping on an ant. And these are these yeah. tiny, tiny, tiny people whose lives are insignificant in the mm-hmm. in the scale of this galaxy and this universe and all these different stories but because the show and the creators have chosen to focus on them they mm-hmm. become everything they become so yeah. important and it's also like some of the brilliance of like uh when you get a uh, nemics um uh what do you call the manifesto. it the manifesto oh um dude when we cause... hear it at the end in this in this finale uh-huh. i just i just want to can they put out like the whole thing? It's so Is good. Disney allowed to do that? <laughs> will they like? Will they like accidentally fund like another insurrection? <laughs> I think um yeah yeah they'll uh well it's funny because I think it it's so beautiful just like the um what's his name uh Skarsgård's character I think like Luthen's speech Luthen. it's so beautiful you don't even hear the full thing of it like every time that kid speaks in the show like when he's cut off at the beginning before they even attempt the high square they're at the campfire and he's explaining uh to Andor about like you know that's how like that's how they win they tire you they desensitize oh. you they that's what they want they want you to be disillusioned to the idea that there's no hope to yeah. like persevere they want you to think that it's a hopeless cause that you're just part of a system that you can't break that is the oppression it chills man and they like and like they interrupt him and i'm like no keep going this is incredible like it's so good um and it's so true to our reality like that's yeah that's kind of like 
one of the things that really blows my mind about this show is that it has these really resonant anti-imperialist ideas Mm. anti-capitalist ideas especially when you get into narkina 5 like they might as well be in an amazon warehouse like (laughs) working for daddy bezos you know yeah Yeah. and it's like how there's something weird about a corporation as massive as disney putting out this show that is so blatantly anti-capitalist and anti-imperial it's it's wild like i don't know what happened i don't know what it means for Mm -hmm. disney to be okay putting this out you know Mm -hmm. and 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 communicating these ideas maybe maybe it's like i don't know it's maybe that's a larger conversation about like how seriously they i mean a few weeks ago you told like we were talking about it and you said it kind of feels like um it just slipped through the cracks almost like it it really feels like that and i agree they weren't paying attention to it yeah almost (laughs) like about um, obi-wan no, it's so funny because it it goes exactly to the theme of it, um, Andor and like, um, you know, like how Andor kind of slipped the cracks. But, you know, there's a few key people in the Imperial officers that are like, no, we should investigate this, you know, like, <laughs> it's, it's like, what? no, don't ignore that. <laughs> it's, it's content. It's fine. Like, it's <laughs> um, going to make the investors happy. Shut but, up. But also to the heist point, just a little detail that I love. And again, this just goes to like how specific the show is and just something I love about it is that what are they stealing? They're stealing the entire payroll. They're stealing coins, man. They're stealing big old gold coins. They explain what they call it like the entire payroll. payroll. It's like the stormtrooper payroll. I don't know. So fucking specific. (laughs) I like for that, but like for the officers of that planet. Yeah. And like, and and I love that because like the first time But it's a big of, enough, it's a big enough yeah. amount that it like rattles mm-hmm. them. Yeah. And it's I love that because like the reason they pull it off, and it kind of goes again to the whole theme that we're talking about here, is not paying attention. This is a very like even the I they're can't remember, comfortable. There's yeah, exactly. And that that's something that's mentioned all the time over and over. Like that's the first thing Andor tells Luthan when Luthan asks, How'd you steal this? It's like, well, they're not paying attention, they're comfortable. It's very easy to walk in and pretend like you're somebody else. All you have to do is pretend like you're supposed to be there and they won't bat an eye. Beautiful. But like, even like the the lead officer on Aldani is like, he's like, he's there with his family. They fucking hate the planet. And like, even the wife is like, "Uh, you're going to get a promotion after tonight. Just suck it up and go to the party. (laughs) You know, like everyone there, all the, the, the lead Imperial officer does not care about that planet that he is literally gentrifying that he is literally evading for its resources he does not care yeah they show the natives with their with their celebration they're yeah because there's like this whole like meteor shower by the way beautiful visually amazing and how it plays into the heist itself with them evading literally fighters crashing into the meteors 10 out of fucking 10 it is fucking amazing i feel like a dork right now dude but like it's so good it's good yeah it's fucking good um i mean they managed (laughs) they managed to make star wars cool again man like i and this is coming from the same year the same Mm -hmm. streamer that put out the big old reunion of Ewan McGregor and Hayden Christensen back mm-hmm. as Darth Vader and Obi-Wan Kenobi like snooze 
yawn. Yeah. yeah. Like, I can't believe <laughs> that, like, I grew up memorizing the fucking Revenge of the Sith Mm-hmm. script like me and my brother like knew that entire fucking fight beat mm-hmm. for beat and we used to reenact it together like yeah this was that obi fucking obi-wan show and it's not i don't hate the obi-wan show yeah it's like it's fine it's That's whatever like six out of ten or a five out of ten like it's yeah fine. it's yeah. It, it but that was like made on a silver platter for me it was like mm. here's your entire child oh yeah here and yeah. for me to just be like nah whatever no, i'm i'm right there with you like revenge <laughs> of the sith when it came out it was my favorite movie of all time like no the, granted that was at a time in my life where i was like eight so every movie i saw it was the best yes yeah like it that was my favorite until transformers you know and then that was my favorite until spider-man right. 3 and so on and so forth but you know the, i mean revenge of the sith undeniably was one of the most formative films of my childhood and the fact that i didn't eat obi-wan up to like the highest extent is like baffling yeah like what happened man you know maybe there was a pre rise of skywalker time where i would have because it's really a fine show like it's it's totally inoffensive like it should have been a movie Uh, there's a good story there there's a good story there all you got to do is just Mm -hmm. just trim it down restructure it just make it build up in in well it was in the span of two hours and it was literally pitched as a movie prior to uh disney plus launching and i think um it just got reworked into a show and you know i but you know on the flip side with andor that's this is the thing where i kind of can't imagine it being a movie because it's so like yes exactly i mean it is kind of these mini arcs feel like movies like you Mm -hmm. said you binge those three episodes kind of like a movie (laughs) Yeah, um, the Aldani but, thing could be its own movie. Like the Aldani right. heist could be a amazing movie. But it all fits together, and yeah. each arc leads into the next mm-hmm. one. And uh, everything that we learn about the characters all carries forward. It's not yeah. like Mando, where it's almost just like the adventure of the week. And I and love every by the episode. Way. Yeah. yeah, no, that's fine for that show. Mm-hmm. But um, you're not. You don't have as much kind of momentum. Um, in that show uh, that, you know, sort of like all clicks together. In this one, it's like every single week we're learning more about mm-hmm. these characters. We're expanding the world. We're finding more and more ways for these themes to be expanded upon and explored. And yeah, this, d- just to just to touch on a couple more details from this heist arc, like there's just so many other tiny little things like, Mm-hmm. When when they're actually doing the heist and Nemec gets hurt with the stack of coins, mm-hmm. I've never seen that in Star Wars before. So for cool. them to yeah. lift off and then like people get <laughs> launched back and yeah. hurt because there's like heavy things moving around in the ship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not properly strapped down. That's the thing that they when they're holding up the guys. That's what the guys are about to do. They're about to strap it on, but because they hold them up they don't strap it on and that's what kills uh crushes the, the kid yeah and um They're just little things like that man those and, little and like, details they yeah they just add so much meaningful life yeah. and 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 depth and complexity to the story and dude i like and it's it almost was like disingenuous to like not talk about all the little details because like they're it's really like the little moments of this show 
that make it so good so to even like brush over it makes us be like it makes me question like man like why didn't we do like a weekly series about this <laughs> yeah. and like talking about the weekly like because like even like you know prior to that like when that like sequence where they're holding up the guys and they're trying to convince um you, you know he's posing as the imperial off or the imperial officers trying to convince the guy that's like loading the ships that like it's okay let them through like that entire it's like a five minute sequence of just like it's riveting your negotiation yeah and it's like the be- like that five minutes is better than any other disney plus thing right in existence like <laughs> yeah. that alone is better than anything else and that's only a nugget of this entire show yeah. what's well, the sense only of gets tension because you yeah. care oh, yeah, about yeah. these people yeah. you want them to succeed that's the Gilroy effect is like it It all feels and you know I know there's other writers and directors and like people in the you know creative kitchen but you know to an extent though it is Gilroy's vision I feel like and that is all you know you brought up Michael Clayton before you know like which is um, I would say the worst Bourne movie but also maybe the most interesting the Bourne legacy um, I called that the most interesting boring movie of all time because it has the odd debt it's a huge summer blockbuster that has the audacity to be boring on purpose. <laughs> um, and I kind of admire it, even though I don't think it's good. Like, I think it's a great exercise in bad filmmaking. Um, yeah. It's it's really interesting. Um, but he's just such an interesting guy because you can tell he does not really give a shit about the genre stuff. He just likes a good story. And honestly, having a lot he of doesn't the give best... a shit about star wars have you heard him in interviews they like ask him about like any type of lore and he's, he's like harrison like, ford yeah i don't give a shit <laughs> yeah 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 no literally and that's what i was talking about like luthan's collection i'm like i'm surprised there were any easter eggs in that room because like this entire show it's not even like in a bad way it just feels like devoid of care for that stuff and that's not a in any other show that would feel like an insult I say that positively. <laughs> like I, we when needed, I say it has, we needed it. Yeah. it. It's we needed a cleanse from that, you know, because yeah. I I feel like Book of Boba Fett yeah. and and Mando, it just reeks yeah. of like, um, Glup, I mean Book of Boba references. Fett is just, yeah, it's it's Glup Shido the the series. <laughs> you know, it really is, and um. Yo, he yeah, I mean, yeah, Obi Wan yeah. too. Like you know, yeah. I love Ewan. I think he's great in that role, but he was yeah. just done so dirty, man. And it's terrible. It, yeah. I feel like Star Wars, like it's not overall. It's not as bad as Marvel, because with Marvel, yeah. I feel like it's just gotten to the point where it's so up its own ass. And yeah. we were talking before we started recording about like the soups of the internet. Uh, S U P E S, <laughs> not S O U P. No, and I, uh, I feel I feel fine making fun of that kid now with everything that's coming out. But um, I used to feel bad making fun of him because I was like, oh, he's just this cringy kid. Um, but now I feel okay making fun of him again. Um, but but yeah, yeah no, the, the idea of like of like the fans expecting just yeah. endless references, just endless like connections no, yeah. to like like they'll only like things if it's referencing another thing that they like and that's not a real story like you can't <laughs> you can't tell me that like that's better than actual storytelling <laughs> with actual characters which is yeah. what andor is oh yeah like um and that's what it kind of was getting at at the beginning because it feels like a lot of this a lot of the stuff that we're championing here is just like 
television. It's just like writing. Right. Like it, it feels like <laughs> almost a low bar, like a low hanging fruit to like. It's like, whoa, like, you made a real show. <laughs> whoa. Yeah, exactly. You but held the camera. You I, went outside. <laughs> yeah. I had a friend ask me because he hasn't, he's much like, you know, Drew and Hunter that haven't, um, you know, they just won't touch you with a 10 foot pole because yeah. they've been burned so many Ow. times. Yeah. And honestly, I get it. Like, I understand. Honestly, I good wish, for them, man. I wish. They're, they're, they're outside. They're enjoying life. You know, here we are. We're, we've been podcast. in this fight since we were seven years old. Yeah. We, <laughs> you know. I've made my I, mind a sunless space. <laughs> um, But, you know, I had a friend ask me that. And he, he's like, you know, how much of this is like, is it actually good? Or is it, or is it actually great? Or is it just like good in like a sea of shit? Right. And I'm like, and it's a fair question. Because like, if I was an outsider looking in, I would probably say the same thing. Yeah. But. I think the thing that does push it above is that I think because I'm I, I've been keeping count of like I've been ranking every show I've watched this year and I Same. watch quite a bit of genre shows. You know, I watch all the Marvel. I watch, you know, the boys. I watch, you know, I watch horror. I watch sci fi. I watch, you know, like I watch everything out of all the genre shows I've seen this year. And I mean, every single one. And I'm not saying this is the best show of the year, but I think it is the best genre series of the year. Easily. Because easily, like it, because actually, let me pull up my list right now. It, um, yeah, because I, the only other one that I have currently on my list is House of the Dragon, which is like Same. after 10, and it's a, after White Lotus wraps up. I have a feeling I might get bumped out. Um, but that being said, like, I really like House of the Dragon, yeah, it's, it, it's really good. Um, but you know, it's just so much of this is actually great writing no matter how you shake it it's not great writing for star wars it's just great writing period it's great character work period you can't like watch like i mean the luthan monologue that you like brought up you know casting and or like i mean oh my god andy circus performance in this show we got to talk like, about them yeah like i mean you see these things and you can't just call it good for star wars or good for disney plus it's great period like it's just great it's not great for star wars it's just great yeah it, you know? it it makes it it makes every other show that disney plus has released yeah. look so bad in comparison Awful. like it's um, just the the chasm has widened like so so drastically yeah um um but it's, you it's not even close yeah and, and you brought it up i'm um, though like let's talk about it the narkina 5 arc uh which i mean again because i really thought that the old Donnie heist was going to be the peak of the show. And I won't lie at the end it's of think, what is it? at the end of seven, you know, where they sentence um, and or to imprisonment. Yeah. That's like the transitionary kind of... episode. We go to like space Miami. Well, yeah, <laughs> which is literally feels like Miami vice and um, <laughs> in space, which is just dope. I love it. Um, and at the end of that episode, I was like, wait, what we're, we're, we're doing this. We're doing a whole other arc. We're not going just to going prison? to the rebellion. That's random. Yeah, exactly. Like I was really like, "Oh, this is where it's going to fall off, huh?" Boy, I did not know what I was talking about. Dude, I just three of the best <laughs> episodes of the whole year. Just yeah. This, oh my god. And honestly, in particular, I would say episode ten is like maybe the best. I would say like it's in the top five episodes of television that I've seen. 
this entire year. It's yeah. like immaculate what they accomplished with this. Um, and I mean, we know we know we're getting a prison break the entire time. Mm-hmm. Like we know it's coming, right? So it's yeah. it, that's not even a surprise knowing that ten is going to be a prison break. Yeah. But it's about how it happens and how mm-hmm. we feel as it's happening. That's yeah. the key is that we're not just watching like, oh, yeah, they're going to break out of prison. OK, cool. It's mm-hmm. like we're like, let's fucking go, dude. Let's go. Yeah. yeah. I'm like literally like as it's happening, I'm like <laughs> fucking I'm freaking out. I'm like well, cheering them yeah. on with my whole <laughs> bussy like all the way. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No, I mean, that's kind of. I, I honestly the big lingering question is like not even like you said it's not whether or not there's gonna be a breakout because you know Andor has to escape in order to help form the rebellion blah 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 like you know all these things that that is like a in so many other shows that would be the downside of a prequel is like knowing but the writing is so good that you forget and you almost don't care yeah we there's know so many... we know Cassian's how Cassian's story ends you know, yeah seen Rogue One and that's just I think that's also a sign of good writing is like to the point of where that should be a detriment and that's honestly why i wasn't excited in the first place but like literally from the moment that starts you just don't give a shit like because it's not about the end game it's about seeing it's like it's a lot like better call saul i'm not yes. saying it's as perfect as better call saul well it's the same general but, idea yeah. of not of understanding mm-hmm. that your audience is not going to care yeah about what happens it's how it happens exactly exactly and it's all you know better call Saul is a show that i you know i when it was coming out i questioned a little bit but i you know vince gilligan of it all i was like okay yeah hell yeah let's do it and you know i don't have to recite that for the audience anyone that saw that show they know that it developed into one of the best show some people even say as good as or better than breaking bad some people on this podcast maybe Oh really? Yeah, I I'm on. I think it's on par. I wouldn't say better, but I think it is as good by the end. Um, but even though the final season is like some of the best Breaking Bad yeah, ever, it's, um, it's fucking incredible. It's incredible. Um, but but what I'm saying is, yeah, like this is very much in that vein where it's like you would think it would be more of an issue, and it just isn't, and it. So yeah, the question's not whether or not like is Andor gonna get out? No, it's about the how, you know. Uh, and also like one of the big like defining things is whether or not Andy Serkis' character is going yeah. to be enlightened, right? To this ideology, not Snoke. Not, not Snoke. well. Hey, listen. <laughs> not not Snoke. <laughs> we we didn't we didn't see him die, and we didn't see. Oh God, I saw the we, before we started the pod. We were talking about how sometimes. We watch cringy like theory videos just to like make ourselves feel better. Um, and I, I saw this guy with his like f- just fully serious was like, here's how uh, Kino from Andor could be Snoke, um, and like it's just like <laughs> him giving like the most fucking brain dead reasons for like, <laughs> and I I was like shut the fuck up. You- did you hear about the the uh, Luthen is a is a secret Jedi? Theories? I saw I saw the thumbnail and I could not get myself <laughs> to click on it. Um, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I just couldn't. Would have been was... so stupid. <laughs> I mean, I I trust at this point. I trust Tony Gilroy. If that's what he yeah. wanted to do, if that's the story that he wanted to tell, like I trust yeah. that he would find a good way to tell that story. Yeah, but like, dude, you're. Well, you're watching like <laughs> look at the show you're watching. This is clearly yeah. a show that's not interested in that. 
Yeah. And it's not interested in giving you a secret fucking Jedi (laughs) at the last minute. No, literally. And it's like, and you know the person writing that or like making that video or whatever is like, they want it to happen because they're like, Yaddle had a mentor that we never saw. (laughs) And like, here's how... Luthen could be the secret like shut the fuck up or like, maybe they're they, they're not enjoying the show because you yeah. know jedis were my heroes from when i was a kid and this show stupid. is not making me feel yeah. like i did when i was a kid because there's no jedi in it and it's i and I, I hate to be like almost gatekeepy of oh, these shows fuck, but fuck that. but i but i almost want to say like if by narkina five if by some fucking reason Aldani didn't captivate you, if by Narkina 5 you are not fully invested in like what the show is doing, just stop. Just stop. Because like there's, it's not there's so many other Star Wars things that I could watch on Disney Plus <laughs> right now. Like if yeah. I want Jedi, I can click like 16 yeah. different things that have Jedi in mm-hmm. them. It's yeah. all it's there. There's Tales plenty. of the Jedi came out last week. You know, we are not malnourished when it comes to Jedi content. Yeah. Like, and like, I mean, God, dude, for the longest time, the argument that I heard against Star Wars in general was too many Jedis. Let's, let's, you know, let's diversify it. And now there's too little Jedis. Like, make up your fucking minds. Like, dude, it's fucking Star Wars fans, man. They're just, there's no fucking brain dead. There's no pleasing them. And I want to clarify for anyone that doesn't know, there is a difference. You know, we are Star Wars fans, and then there are Star Wars fans. Yeah, there's a difference. There is a huge difference. Yeah, no, like I have, (laughs) I have the one, the one free Andor poster that I got Mm -hmm. at the movie theater. Uh, We're talking about like the people that have like the full racks of shelves of like, yeah different luke skywalkers and darth vader's posing yeah like the hot toys yeah, yeah. funko pops like uh, uh okay hey, look, my chewbacca funko pop is kind of getting angry at you right now but <laughs> i yeah the only star wars poster i have in my room you can't see it obviously but um i have a ryan johnson signed last jedi poster oh nice uh, yeah From celebration uh yeah exactly from celebration oh, i yeah. i got that limited poster and um it's great before uh, the my... last jedi came out i'm sure before yeah that was i i always Different said times. my um the the my love for star wars died during the end credits of last jedi not because i because i love the last jedi but that was the last time i felt hope um <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> until this show honestly and then that justice from... for broom boy <laughs> justice for broom boy um i <laughs> um yeah i that's uh i mean it's funny because i you know i love mando and like you know we talked about mando on the pod before you know i love mando i think that show even in post andor i i think honestly Andor's gonna be a great litmus test for people because or for these shows because i think any show that does not measure up to andor you can disregard obi-wan Boba Fett do not measure up. Mando, I wouldn't say like measures up in quality, but it's still like it's still satisfying in retrospect. Well, it's it's just a different flavor. I mean, yeah, John Favreau is clearly a massive, massive fan of yeah. Star Wars. And with with his partnership with Dave Filoni, it's yeah. just like it's just big kids playing with their action figures. Yeah, and, and you know, that is great. Like it yeah, that, there's nothing good. inherently wrong with that. No, not at all. And like, I think, you know, something that's really interesting about, you know, the kind of like Mandalorian 
like a side pocket of the universe is um you know a lot of that is just built on emotion and not necessarily like references like a lot of it is just genuine storytelling and character work that has paid off over like three years you know well it's Filoni. um it's all from his yeah. head right well that's what i was gonna say like Filoni really is the godfather of star wars at the moment he was the last apprentice of george lucas so maybe that's why it feels so authentic when he does it because he you know he was the successor of george lucas um but he's the you know, vader to to lucas's emperor exactly though literally quite quite literally <laughs> like he was literally his padawan yeah um but you know that being said and i love feloni I've, I've met the guy super nice guy um was he wearing very, the hat he was wearing that i was with him in an yeah. elevator at celebration and nice. after a press conference and he was nice is enough he to... a, is he a short king he's like five eight i think I could be okay. wrong. Yeah, it's a not, little, yeah, not too bad. little bit of a short yeah. king. Yeah. A little bit, yeah. Um, but he I I love the guy, but I think it is nice to kind of have a little bit of flavor in here yes. with the Gilroy. Um, because there is a part of like Filoni where I feel like every Disney plus Star Wars thing has had the Filoni print on it. And that's fine and good, and I enjoy most. People of it. love it; like it's it's yeah. successful for a reason, you know. And and like I'm part of that. Like I enjoy most of it. I'm I have stayed up till three a.m. for a lot of it. You know what I mean? Like, I I am maybe the problem, you know. Uh, but there is just it's not, something. Trust me. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but you know, it's there is just something deeply satisfying about having a different cook in the kitchen, in the same way. And I know this is a hot take for some people but you know get shit on ryan johnson is also a, like a fresh cook in the kitchen and he made one of the best star wars and, and again everyone if hated you, it and if you disagree get dunked on glass onions amazing but like it, it he's just it, it's really in the same vein for me where it just it feels so different and it's clearly and quickly becoming one of my favorite things um but again and a lot of this is exemplified through the narkina 5 arc which is some of the best star wars ever it's and it's really amazing in hindsight of how simple it all is yeah and it you shows know? how terrifying the empire can be and mm -hmm. and th this show shows that in in a lot of different ways i mean yeah we've we've touched on the the zero uh character a little bit and the um deidre miro character as well mm -hmm. and their sort of little 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 romance that they got cooking up a little bit it's um, it's a little like um phantom thread-esque <laughs> yes <laughs> a little bit yeah uh and through that through that side of the story you see a lot of you know it's it's one thing to have darth vader like slice up a bunch of dudes with his lightsaber or fucking yeah. choke a guy out with the force like that that is one side of the empire being terrifying what we see in this show is like a whole nother layer of terrifying and, yeah. and to me, it's much more effective because the force doesn't exist in our reality. Mm -hmm. uh, lightsabers don't exist in our reality. Darth Vader doesn't exist. But what does exist is corporations exploiting labor and, mm -hmm. and tricking people into thinking that they are operating uh within a corporation with some type of agency and with some yeah. type of control 
over their situation within and, this oppressive system. I mean, not to like jump ahead, but like it's a literal light at the end of the tunnel situation. And that's almost akin to like, you know, we we brought up how um Kino, Andy Circus's character is very like he kind of represents all these themes that you're touching on right now. And like when he's running to the ocean at the end, it's very much a literal light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. That he can't even when he gets to the end of the light, he can't swim. He and can't it's do like it. It's like literally like that metaphor is literally interpreted in this show for him. And it's and I genuinely like unless I'm just forgetting and, you know, you have a case to be made for like Caesar and stuff. But, dude, is this Andy Serkis's best performance? Um, I'm a big Caesar head. I, I, me too. I love, me and wrong. I love Gollum, too. Like his yeah. mocap work is amazing. It's great to just yeah. see him. You yeah. know, because we just know him as like this mocap king. Yeah. But in terms of like his non mocap work, I think so. Yeah. I, oh, I definitely, definitely think that this is it. I mean, hundred percent puts in yeah. great, great work here. He starts out as just this stoic, like overseer boss man who just wants to keep run a, a tight ship, a tidy operation, and make sure that you know they clock in and clock out and and build all these massive Lego sets that uh, turn out to be the Death Star. Um, yeah uh ray it's the ray the the ray on the death star right that's from what i yeah from what i got yeah yeah so everyone was speculating like what are they building what are they building i think would have been cool to just like assume it's the death star without ever showing it but of course they show it at the very yeah i when i when they were building it this was like literally maybe the only point i was thinking about like glup shit out type shit um i thought he was building k2so um, oh because wow. it almost like looked robotic and i was like yeah. oh wouldn't that be cool if he like built a android for the imperial army but he programmed it differently and he helped him escape um but these i mean they're building these are big pieces. yeah i meant like at the very beginning when he's like getting like the parts i was like is it but then you know you kind of assume later as yeah. the uh arc goes on and um that's i i kind of called it at a certain point i was like oh it's if it's not death star it's you know it's something like a big weapon you know yeah but, but in the moment it, it, yeah. it did feel cool for it to be for you to be in their perspective of just yeah. like you have no idea all yeah. you know is you have to put this thing in this thing and move mm. it and and then repeat the process it's, it's terrifying because like i mean that um that one older guy that's on the the crew with andor and he has to like his like he's at the end of his rope like he's like he's about he's he's almost at like, he's like day a zero. month away yeah yeah he's and his hand away. he can't like like put the screw in he can't use the material like his hands his like fingers are numb from being overworked and exploited and you know just like how so much of like the earlier episodes are about you know very real things this i think more than anything is very much you know this is like so not foreign to the real world about the prison industrial complex shit yeah. that is happening today watch the 13th a great documentary on netflix by eva duvernay if you want to see a bit more insight about it like these are things that like happen on the daily and like this is how our society is built like this is literally. why we're able to order something on amazon and have it arrive mm -hmm. and then the within 24 hours like, this is real yeah. this is real shit that they put in a fucking disney show like that's yeah. crazy <laughs> yeah it's fucking insane it, it's really really insane and it's it's great because it doesn't do any half measures when it comes to this stuff. And that, you know, that could be said about the series as a whole, but I think it's really, again, so much of the best things about this show are really 
solidified in this arc. Like everything that you thought was true about the show or thought was great about it is just like reaffirmed here. And it's like, yeah, if you loved it before, we're just going to keep doubling down on it. Yeah. Like we're going to keep exploring it more. Yeah. yeah. And it's just three straight episodes, just like the heist. It's three straight episodes of character work, tension, ideologies, like metaphors, like just great dialogue. Um, just like, I mean, dude, visually, it's stunning. They're like even yeah, like very if, unique sets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you want to get down, like down to the technical aspects, like the production design, the geography of that prison, just the design and the layout, and how you as a viewer by episode ten, I would say you kind of fully understand the inner workings of that prison. So, like when the high or the uh, the breakout is happening, you fully understand what division of the prison means yeah. and how like you these... know where they are where yeah. they have to move to what they have to do mm-hmm. how they need to to uh get the other people to move out of where they're at in order to overtake mm-hmm. the entire thing like you understand they've communicated everything for you to know yeah. like okay here we go all the pieces are set and you know from a character perspective um i think that throughout the majority of this show Cassian is sort of this uh, passenger to the plot. And yeah. there he has a little bit of agency here and there. Obviously, like there's the whole relationship with his mother that kind of really grounds him and humanizes him. Mm-hmm. Fiona Shaw, by the way, we haven't mentioned is incredible. Great. Uh, his great hunt for from... the sister that you never right. see as an adult. Yeah. So there's like there's like little things, but for the most part, mm-hmm. what really catches our eye are all of these other characters you know cyril and luthan and um oh what's uh uh marva uh no marva's yeah. the mother um bell talking about- bell bell yeah bell, bell, yeah the blonde lady so yeah. there's there's this extended cast of characters and and then obviously here in this arc we get um we get kino and what starts to happen is as um the hope is is snuffed out of Cassian and he's in this prison and he starts to basically realize like the position that the empire has put him in and how much they've taken from him and how much they plan to take from him mm-hmm. he has to dig deep to find his desire to rebel yeah. right he it's not going to come from anywhere else yeah, he's not gonna be. It's not gonna be, um, you know, Obi Wan and Han Solo telling him to hop on the Millennium Falcon and <laughs> and go on this great yeah. journey out of tattooing. Yeah, no, no, Luke Skywalker. He's not gonna cut through like at the end of Mando, you know, where he kills all the stormtroopers and stuff. Like it this has is... to come from here. Yeah, like yeah, no, a hundred percent. And you know, and then like another thing about that is like he he not only has to like take agency and like the fact that he's in this position and like take charge and like kind of come to terms with like what his, what his motivation is, you know, he's really coasted on the fact that he doesn't have a plan. He doesn't have an ideology that he's following, so to speak, you know, he has a moral compass to an extent, but not an ideology. I think it's the best way to put it. Yeah. But it's also here that you kind of see the formation of a leader, you know, right. You see the formation of him, not giving orders for the sake of being superior, but he knows he's the voice of people that have no voice. He 
can be the voice of people that know they like he sees the anger of all these people and he you know in the last few episodes he kind and that's what makes this all such a great season of television it's a very clear path of character arc is he kind of learns that he has to put his anger and his frustration into a cause and he sees all this frustration especially in kino and again this is what makes kino such a great character he sees all this bubbling under the surface of kino this guy who he knows he's just one bad day away from turning yeah. and just fucking dismantling the entire fucking system. This guy then knows the inner workings of the prison in and out. And yet he still refuses to even entertain. Andor yeah. He won't budge. He, he keeps trying. Yeah. There's yep. that episode. I think it's episode nine, nine. Yeah. Where uh, and 10, a little bit or no, yeah, nine actually. Yeah. No. Cause the end of yeah. nine is never yeah. more than 12. Yeah. Which is, that's right. Which is just like, Number I'm just 12. like yep. fucking shaking my fist. Like let's fucking go. Absolutely. Let's the best go. cliffhanger for maybe any episode of television other than better call Saul this year. Um, it, so it's like clapping it, like as loud as I possibly can. <laughs> just hooting and hollering. Yeah. My, Lee's my like, what the fuck room. are you doing, dude? Um, <laughs> um yeah, it's it's so good. So, you know, you kind of that not only is what makes Kino such a good character, but it make it kind of solidifies Andor as a great leader because he sees these sparks of rebellion in individuals and he sees yeah. In the importance of individuals, but he sees also the importance of the collective, of individuals forming together as a collective, and that's how you dismantle a system. And this prison that they're in is very much representative of a system within itself. Yes, it's a system built on the empire and imperial force. Hey, it's also shaped like the empire. Symbol. Dude, yes, absolutely. Like it's dude, so it's cool. so fucking good. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's so like dude like the fucking like symbolism of the show is like next level it's so good yeah um but, but yeah, cassian, I mean... cassian is guiding he's guiding kino he's not mm-hmm. he's not forcing kino to to rebel and mm-hmm. he's not uh you know telling him that he needs to do what what he says like it's he's just showing him the truth of the situation the the moment the moment in ep- episode 10 when kino Lo gives his speech the mm-hmm. the one way out speech um that's such a crucial moment because cassian like makes the choice not to take the microphone he says mm-hmm. it has to be you it has to come from you so good and that's i think that to have a show like this that is already like having us uh look at these you know really tried and true concepts and and stories in different ways and in different lights to see that to see a hero step back and mm-hmm. let someone else take the the spotlight and have their hero moment yeah that feels so special like see, that was such yeah. a good moment that goes to my point though because it's like I think, you know, when I said like Andor kind of through the system kind of learns the importance of being a leader. And that's what I mean. Like he doesn't under- just understand the importance of himself as a leader. He sees the importance of like what a leader means to everybody else. He understands yeah. that these people believe, even if they don't believe in the system, they believe in what Kino is telling them. They trust Kino. They believe Kino. He sees the importance of that, what a message from a leader can do. And he... I think there's also a point where Andor becomes kind of selfless. He says, okay, I know this is like my breakout, but I'm going to back up and like give you the yeah. platform. To but have he, is, this he still has to push him. 
Yeah. Like Kino still like he he tries it a little bit and then yeah. he kind of backs off the mic for a second and then yeah, Cassian has to be like, is that all you got? Like, come on. And it's beautiful, like the way they like it. You know, you know when he finally you know has that speech and like it's overcutting with like you know the prisoners like you know taking on the guards or like getting inspired and they're like you know going for it. It's like again, I we feel I feel like I've we said this ten times in the pod already, but it's some of the best Star Wars ever like that I've ever seen. It's at least it's the best depiction of the rebel alliance on any form of like star wars ever like it is such a raw in such a raw way like they're not they're not like this they don't feel like a hero like a stock like movie hero you know they're not put Mm -hmm. together they're not like suited up ready for battle it's scrappy half of them are dying they half of them don't even know where they're going or what they're gonna do. All they know is that they have a chance and that they mm-hmm. need to take that chance. Yeah, and that this is the only time they'll get it. Yeah, yeah, no, completely. And it, it's so beautifully like articulated, like through this entire like the prison break is amazing. And again, it's all really put on the you know the, the cherry top at the end with the I can't swim. It's oh. heartbreaking. Heart. It it literally, again, and this just goes to show it's like genuinely good writing, when like three lines of dialogue can fucking wreck you, like it just breaks yeah. your heart. And he some knew of it, the whole time too. He yeah, knew it, that that was yep. that was the only well, the I only think way out. <laughs> yeah, and I, I mean, well, because like, did he did he know that there was no. Did he know that's the route he was taking? That like, well, he knew that they were surrounded by water. But okay. I don't I think don't he knew think... it was like that high up, or that there were like no vessels or boats or ships. Right, or exactly. Yeah. yeah, and and you know it has that question at the end of like, is it worth it? You know, like even though he and it goes to you know that goes to Luthen's speech. You know, the sacrifice. It, yeah, the sacrifice that you're willing to make, even though you might not see that sunset, you may not oh. see. And it's. Oh, like it's so fucking good um it it's it's heartbreaking it's devastating and it's it, it's it's incredible it's some of the best star wars easily the best star wars we've gotten in like five years i would say um this, yeah, since, this the last, alone. since the last jedi for sure Definitely. and it's it honestly gives the last jedi a run for its money as much as i love that movie yeah that's still just like a two and a half hour experience yeah. And the, the highs of that movie are, are on like anything else. Like, yeah, I love Adam Driver in that movie. I love Mark mm. Hamill in that movie. Everything with Yoda in that movie is perfection. Yeah. Um, But I think that what this show is trying to do with ex- exploring the ideas and the themes that it's doing and and the writing. Oh, my God. Like, yeah. It's it's tough to pick. I they feel different, you know. They they feel like they're kind of just two different areas of this world, and it feels good for it for Star Wars to finally be getting to that place where it's like, okay, we can finally have a story that's completely <laughs> detached from Skywalker's and yeah. Jedi and all that. Um, and we we can always have that. We can always go back to that. Mm-hmm. Um. Maybe not too much, you know. Maybe we can go back to it in different ways. We'll see what what yeah. happens with some of these other shows and stuff. But I think that it, as far as like the accomplishment of like breaking away f- 
from what we've been led to believe is the only way to tell stories in this world it's like okay finally finally we can forge this different path yeah yeah and and again like also um i mean so we have like i mean there's two more episodes even after that like because it's like there's a the daughter of ferrix episode 11 which you know i would kind of consider like it's a great episode but it's almost like kind of simmering down and it's yeah. like kind of like because I, I very, this is a show that very much knows how the audience is gonna feel. So like it, it progresses the story, but like in a less because they know for like the last three episodes you've been kind of holding your breath about the prison, and they know how like crazy episode ten yeah. is. So they're like, okay, we need, just... we need a break, a little chill. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and and there's like not a lot to talk about in that episode. Like it's a very good episode. But a lot of it is just, you know, a lot of great character work, you know. There's Cassian. the Luthan uh, with the tractor beam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, um, you know, there's like the little bit with like Saw Gerrera again. You know, some really great moments in the episode. Um, but all of it's kind of just building up to the finale. Um, and then, you know, Cassian making the decision, is he going to run away, you know, from um, from his home? And, or is he going to like go back there with the you know because he knows the implications of what could happen if he returns home he knows well, that it's, they're, it's his mother's funeral it's his so mother's funeral we pretty yeah, much know doesn't he find out at, he well he finds out at the end of episode 11 right yeah that yeah so up to that point he's kind of questioning whether or not he's gonna where he's gonna go and you know when he finds out that his mom died that kind of just solidifies it um and it's heartbreaking yeah. when you find out like it because they never really um, you never really got to say goodbye uh, to his mom, you know? And it is heartbreaking, but again, I guess to jump to like episode 12, unless you have anything specifically to say about episode 11. No, just um, that it, we needed to set all these pieces yeah. up for the finale because they all converge on um, on Ferrix. 100%. And like that, Um, well, that's what I was going to say. Like with Ferrix and like, episode 12 like a lot of that uh during the funeral scene where you know you have the hologram of um, what's his mom's name again um uh i forgot her name in the show marva Marva. yeah um that hologram she has where she's you know kind of uh god i forgot what exactly she said but where she was like you know i've seen so many people die i've heard so many of these holograms and now it's like i'm staring at a ghost yeah and I Another great it. speech. It's like yeah. the the oh. the climax of this entire season. The mm-hmm. the finale uh, is just a a speech, a yeah. speech to inspire a rebellion. Yeah, and and there's so much weight on that idea just because of everything that we've seen. And I think that the the big takeaway here is that, um, you know the there's so many instances in star Wars and stories similar to star Wars in which our, our heroes are activated by a single event, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Batman sees his parents killed in front of him. And, uh, you know, Spider-Man sees uncle Ben killed in front of him. And it's like this mm-hmm. one thing that like turns them into a hero and defies defines their story. Mm-hmm. And, I think what what we see throughout this season is that for for Cassian for how he becomes a hero and for this entire story and all the characters that we meet it's it's 
a ton of different events and a ton of different decisions. And, and it's a much more kind of complex tapestry of instances that add uh, meaning and context to who they are and yeah. how they become the heroes of this rebellion. And I think that yeah. that's what that, that speech signifies. It's, it's not just, yeah. it's not just about the speech, you know, the speech yeah. is just, it's the, the, the the straw the catalyst yeah 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 yeah, no completely like and you know that's what god that's why that scene is so good in 12 you know because i i love like you know how everyone's at the funeral and the imperial officers they they legally have to let it happen but everyone's kind of on edge you're like they don't know what the hologram's gonna say they're like because i what's one thing i love about that is that now between the heist and you know everything with the prison outbreak you know there are these sections of rebellion i forgot who says it in the show um i think it's um uh mira that says it uh but she says you know like it's these little people like don't pay attention to the sparks of rebellion but that's what you should be paying attention to because that's really the scariest most dangerous thing for the empire and i feel sporadic and unorganized yeah yeah and that, I think that's something that you kind of see it in this episode that for the first time ever, these imperial forces are getting scared. They see the threat yeah. forming. They know what one speech can do, <laughs> and they're so on edge because they're right before the hologram plays. Like every officer, like the close up of their faces, they're like, "Oh shit!" Like it's about to happen. Yeah, and you know, <laughs> and right. It, it does doesn't point it's a great fucking speech like you know she uses her last speech ever the last thing she will ever be remembered for for rallying and organizing one last chance i love that line where she's like if there was one thing i would do if i was still alive it's fight even yeah. if it's a losing battle even if i have no chance of winning i would fight these bastards yeah and like dude i when I was watching it, I just like threw my fist in the air. I was like, Oh my yeah. fucking God. Like it's, it's so good. And like, it's so satisfying because well, literally even, from... but right before it starts, when yeah. the motherfucker kicks the droid over, when B2 oh, emo God. gets, I, I was like, no, underrated. <laughs> I was, ready, droid, I was ready to start punching them myself. I was like, where the fuck are they? Yeah. Let's fucking go move over BBA. Like B2 emo. He's he's literally emo. Like yeah. he he is like literally like the um mo- like he's like a monotone droid and I fucking love him. He is he's so good. But I love him cuz he's so like he really cares about Cassian yeah. and Marva. Yeah. Cuz like and cuz like when Marva dies he's he doesn't oh, want to leave. That's it's so sad. Dude, dude, dude I'm not was... kidding. If nothing if anything happens to this droid there will be hell to pay. Yeah, Tony Gilroy, like I'm coming for you. <laughs> yeah, I have I'll have your fucking head. Like I swear to god. I um <laughs> uh jokes legally, but it's like uh he, he's so good. And like honestly, that's the, like the one glup shitto thing that like if they like had some like bullshit where like Leia Organa at the end of season 2 like adopts him for some fucking reason <laughs> and like gives him the Mandalorian so he can be in the future shows yeah. so be so it like, i'll can, accept it so yeah. he can explode with everyone else on Alderaan <laughs> well that's no, what i'm saying you. no that's what i'm saying like get him like give him the Mandalorian so he can be with Grogu okay and good, good yeah cuz oh my god would the Mandalorian not be 100 times better next season if it wasn't uh B2 emo 
uh Grogu and Mando as a like a thruple. Like yeah. oh my well, god. B two B two would be old. He because this he can... is yeah. Well, I mean, how old is C three PO? Like he's oh well, yeah. C three PO is a fucking ancient motherfucker. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, no. The the droid's a highlight, and that entire like you know the rebellion forming in this is really great. And um, you know, we kind of we already talked about it, but like that scene with uh Mon Mothma's daughter kind of being courted with um, I forgot that guy's name, but yeah. his son. Well, it's because she needs money, right? Like she's running yeah. out of cash to fund the rebellion, but, and, God, and but she's it feels worried. So icky, like yeah, yeah, it feels I terrible. Mean, like it's um, it's it's just adding more kind of context to what's pushing her away yeah. from that world. Yeah, she already and, feels on the outs. And you know, um, you know, and then like also like with um, not that it's a very uh, Luthan heavy episode, but like you know, the whole episode is kind of gearing up. A little bit he's kind of having to make that choice whether or not he's going to pull the trigger on andor and like you know there's so many like little seeds being planted um one very interesting thing i thought was that like um oh god what's his name um miro and karn like i love how that's like kind of the pinpoint they have in the season where miro like them kind of kiss miro fucking hates this kid he's like she like is so disgusted by him um she's just like but in that moment he saves her and she's kind of like do you have value like are you for the first time ever she's like i think you actually have a point um it's great the the whole speech that he gives her in that one episode where he's Mm. like stalking her that yeah it's terrifying but that's (laughs) what what we're getting at about like how this is his hero's journey too yeah you know that that speech that he gives it, it might as well be Luke Skywalker talking about yeah how much he believes in yeah uh, the greater good yeah yeah like it's yeah. It, it no hundred percent very yeah. interesting character and I I it's so crazy like at the beginning of the show I just assumed that this guy was just like a throwaway mm-hmm. and he's yeah. like the almost like the second lead yeah uh, well maybe not the second lead but like the third lead you know he's definitely a focal point yeah like in. I mean, yeah, yeah, no, completely. It's so he, he's such a like love, like a lovely, terrible character. Oh, like, you yeah, really he's, love. He's our favorite him. fascist. He's our favorite fascist. Like, and honestly, that that's a great point. You know, like he, it is his hero's journey, and isn't that like so real to like actual oppressors? Because it's not like real world oppressors go to work. And they have the ideology that they are oppressors. They think they are the heroes of their story. They think exactly that what they're doing is like all these people that are very complacent about fascist regime regimes or even like, you know, like sections of like government or whatever that, you know, very much exploit or threaten people on a daily basis. You know, they really think that, you know, they are the good guys. They think they are servicing a larger system that these people that are painted as villains or that when in reality they are not and that's you know and that kind of goes to like a much deeper philosophical question of like is he a villain or is he just another victim of a long-term like yeah i I mean i was almost wondering if he was gonna flip for a minute season two dude i would not put it past them and i think how satisfying would that be if they were playing that long game with like him eventually down the line 
I and not to like go for like full like prediction on like in a glub shit way, but like I think I mean anything real... could happen. Anything could happen because like we're only getting one more season, and we know it's going to connect to wherever we meet Cassian at the I... beginning of Rogue One. So yeah. it's like whatever yeah. gets you there, like they could they could really do anything. Honestly. I kind of think Miro is going to fuck him over, and that's what's really going to break him. Like. Uh, I, I really think he's going to see how thankless it all is. And I don't know if he's like going to join the rebellion, so to speak, but I think he will like, he'll do something that, ha- that helps yeah. them, that favors yeah. them in, Almost... tr- in trying to catch yeah. Cassian. Yeah. And he's going to be like, yeah. I'm, I'm, he's like so obsessed with Cassian Andor and Andor's like, I, I don't even know who you are. Yeah. I don't even know. <laughs> is it so funny? They don't like, they never do. They ever meet? No, not this entire series. Right. I think they see each other. Yeah, um, like they might have like one interaction at the beginning, but yeah, like nothing. It's so like literally, Cassian would not recognize him on the street. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> and it's it's so funny in retrospect. Um, but yeah, I mean, and also like the you know where this season or like this episode leaves off, you know, with like uh, Andor, you know, coming onto Luthen's ship and like telling him like, "Kill me," you know, like yeah, fucking do it or. It, or yeah mm-hmm. and and i think you know you know it, it's still up in the air about you know how far luther can be trusted with andor um i still kind of think it might go the way of like woody harrelson and solo where andor might have to like shoot him first you know yeah um with like a mutual understanding or maybe luther dies heroically i don't know but isn't that wonderful that i don't know like there's... Yeah, I'm really curious about Luthen because I I feel like he's like a really important part of the rebellion. He and he he's is, like a wholly yeah. new character in this show. This show got a chance to add a lot of lore to Star mm-hmm. Wars. Yeah. A lot of like big, big, big additions to the overall story. Um, yeah, and that's fascinating, man. I thought you know, you think that they would just let them kind of play in their own corner and not really like have much to do with the backbone of Star Wars, mm-hmm. and they're getting to do a lot. And I think you know, yeah, just someone like Luthen is a big part of that. And I, I don't know what they're gonna do with him. I feel Neither, like he's yeah. not gonna survive. Like, there's, I, there's no way, I, but I have no clue how he could. Um, unless they give him like a literal sun, like he does see the sunset, uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> which I, which I think would be beautiful. No, he's a secret Jedi. <laughs> he, 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 um, he was actually on, uh, indoor in return of the Jedi. Right. Right. Um, which is something that, uh, what's his name? Um, Dave Filoni pulled about, um, Captain Rex from Clone Wars. He's like, oh no, he was on indoor and everyone was like, what? like the clone (laughs) was on andor like he's like yeah he was like he's like a reformed clone it's fine and it's fine you can you kind of you can kind of see now that uh they are like reversing that canon (laughs) um but yeah no it's it's really funny because like i think i never in my wildest dreams would i think not let alone did i think i would love an andor series but would i be so curious and like anticipating of like what a season two could be yeah because like you said, like I want to see where Luthen's story goes. I, I mentioned it earlier. I'm very curious how Mon Mothma like 
it's almost like the Heisenberg, like Jimmy McGill, almost like of like how is she gonna leave, like her life, yeah, like for rebellion because she like her daughter is pretty young, right? So like that's a like that's a very close knit family, or I mean at least like with her daughter, it's the husband is less important, but like well, she, she might to... get found out honestly, yeah, that she, she's well, connected to the rebels, so she's she probably yeah. won't have a choice at that. It'll point. probably be like devastating when it happens yeah. next season, like. I really hope there's not too significant of a time jump with season two is my only request. Cause I, well, there, least... there has to be, because the original pitch for this show was like four or five seasons mm-hmm. and the production of season one was so taxing that they were like, fuck that. We're not. <laughs> yeah. Like Tony Gilroy has said in interviews that he had, a, he had a, like a heart to heart with Diego Luna and they were both like, we cannot devote like such a massive chunk to our lives yeah. to this. It it is yeah. it is just such a massive, massive scale yeah. of of a production that yeah. they they're just like, you know what? The plan for all those seasons, we're just gonna condense them into one yeah. second season. And that's I it. guess when I say the time jump thing, my only point is that I don't want them to like not show a lot of these talking points that we're talking about like i don't want next season and passing to hear like yeah wasn't it sad when luthan died like i want to see it you know like right, i want right, i want to yeah. see a mon- bring, like bring I- Scarsgard in in a big way yeah yeah for sure even even if there is a time jump in like episode three or four or something that's fine but i at least want to see like all these like things that are being hinted at like I want to see Mon Mothma have to make that difficult choice of like leaving or fling her family. You know, mm-hmm. I want to see Luthen's in game. Like I want to see all these threads that are left on, you know, unfinished by the right. show very deliberately. And you know what? I fully trust Gilroy to do it. I fully at this point after 12 straight episodes of banger after banger, I trust him. Yeah. Like I, and I have never felt that way about a star Wars show. They'll Ever. probably space out the the mini arcs. If they do the mini arc approach again, mm-hmm. it'll be like each one, there's a time jump between each mini arc. That's how I would do it. That would be great. I mean, even if it's like one and two is like a two year. Yeah. Like each two episodes is like another like year and a half. And then that can compile up to 10 years almost if you really think about it. Um, I don't think and... we have that much time to cover though. I was, I was about to ask because like how soon is this after before rogue one i know there is an answer in between in between um what's it called uh sith and new hope it's like roughly 20 years right uh and cassian has to be around that age i love i just googled it and i like how google doesn't know the exact answer it says about five years not even five years about five years about uh, Andor takes place about five years before New Hope or before Rogue One. Well, Rogue One, yeah. New Hope, yeah, same thing. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, um, honestly, yeah, like I, and that's easy. Honestly, like you can but have this like, first season was yeah. roughly a year ish, right? Like how about, how long was he I mean, in the prison? You know, we don't really know. I mean, how long did the heist planning and everything? Like, I mean, right. There's so much of that that is like really left to interpretation. That I think a year is very fair in terms of like assuming, and so that gives you like what four years left of before Rogue One, sure. and that's plenty even if of time. it's five, like five, they, yeah, they'll be able to do it. Um, it's literally going to end with fucking what's her name, uh, Felicity Jones running into oh Jin or some 
generous. No, it's um, it's gonna end with um, Mace Windu saying, "Are you interested in joining the Rebel Alliance <laughs> initiative?" Um. Yeah. What? Uh. All these stupid Rebel Alliance characters that people pretend they have nostalgia for, like a uh, Bigs or some shit, or Porkins. <laughs> oh my god! I. You know, just like people that have like fake nostalgia. Like you can't convince me anyone has nostalgia for Porkins. <laughs> like, um, who's that motherfucker? Is it Biggs that appears in Rise of Skywalker for like five seconds? He's like Lando's gunner in the Falcon. Sure. He's he's like I Luke Skywalker's. No <laughs> he's the guy that grew up on Luke Skywalker's uh, on uh, Tatooine with yeah. Luke, and then he went to the Rebel Alliance in A New Hope. And the actor came out and said he hates Star Wars, and then he came back for a five-second cameo as Skywalker. Um, but my point they, is, didn't they announce a Lando show? Yeah, and it's unclear if it's what's his name or uh, Donald Glover. Um, if what it's, if they uh, brought if they brought Donald Glover in to this? That would I be kinda, so cool. <laughs> I would love it. Genuinely, I would like adore it. The problem is, and I think Donald Glover thinks this too. I think he's too good for it. Um, I not that he's too good for Andor, but I think almost that he's like that Lando show that he's talking about. Like my ideal like Lando show is like it begins with like Billy D like talking about his past, and then it cuts yeah to like you know Lando has I, to think about his whole life before he goes yeah. on stage. If there's just like a eight episode mini series about like Lando like swindling people and like gambling and like. Make it like an Ocean's Eleven esque kind of sure. movie with Lando, dude. Sign me up. Um, I kind of have a feeling though that's not going to happen. Yeah. I, I think that's going to be one of those things that never happens. I'm I'm worried that Andor is going to feel like an outlier. In in yeah. my in my hopes and dreams, it would set a new standard for Disney mm-hmm. and for Disney Plus, and you know Kevin Feige would catch a whiff. And everything that they're putting out would be on this quality. Mm -hmm. I'm worried that that's that's just not going to happen. And this was like the one that got away. (laughs) Like Gilroy like snuck this one in there. Um, Yeah, I mean, see, I I wonder because I think last time I checked, the viewership was decent but not great. Um, But season two is already filming, so we're safe. Like it's it's not a matter of getting renewed. It's exactly what you're talking about. It's a matter of whether or not they're going to learn a lesson from it. Apparently, um, it, it hasn't gotten great viewership. I mean, just goes yeah. to show about like what we started out at the beginning yeah. of the episode talking about how like none of our friends have watched this show pretty much. Yeah, you know? and you know, a lot of it could be accredited to like, you know, what we were talking the, about the with burnout, like, oversaturation, yeah, the the fatigue of it all. But and then, you know, I mean, we were texting about it a few weeks ago. I think before the finale, and we were like. I think I told you, I was like, it's really fucked up that they made this post-Obi-Wan when mm-hmm. everyone gave up. Because, like, if this yeah. came out, like, in the Mandalorian, like, height, people would be, like, watching the shit out of it. Um, I mean, you know it's bad if they're, like, showing on ABC, which is what they're <laughs> free apparently form. doing. Yeah, free, yeah, they're literally showing on in free form. Um, all I can do, I mean, again, at the end of the day, season two is confirmed it's happening it's literally like literally started shooting this past week so like we're good you know we're seeing it through to the end um but i think just in terms of like i want people to watch the show i want people to watch the show because 
it's good and i want people to believe that star wars can still be good um because it's it also just yeah. good art it's like genuinely art like it's great it's compelling ideas real ideas great writing great characters like yeah man i i just didn't think that star wars still had that in it yeah you know and it's true to what george lucas wanted to do originally yeah you know george lucas the star wars was not about itself yeah uh, in the beginning it, it it was it was very simplistic and and lucas always had you know family friendly kid friendly uh stories in mind first and foremost mm -hmm. um andor's not kid friendly or family friendly but it is rooted in a lot of what lucas was interested in which is like yeah. real stories uh about you know the, the, there's a reason why it's called the empire like he yeah. he wanted to tell a story about imperialism and yeah i and I, this I, is what this is I need to find out the title of the book. My friend Zach got it for me for my birthday. Um, it's but it's about that. And I was reading the, the first few pages of it, and it's literally about that. How like Lucas, uh, I think he was like really. I think it was a little bit after Vietnam, the first movie yeah. came out, and he apparently, yeah, like the Vietnam War is what inspired the way he depicted the empire, yeah. the United and, States, the American oppression yeah. of mm -hmm. the vietnamese people yeah like, <laughs> yeah it's right there yeah it's in you know that's just i guess at the end of the day to maybe sum up this episode this one goes out to the people that are saying you can't you shouldn't make star wars political i think this it's is always this goes been out to. political always it's, has been <laughs> it's star wars it's wars war are you telling me wars aren't political wars are political it's the same people that say you shouldn't make Star Wars political are like the people that like I think there are people that like in a very valid way love the prequels and then there are the people that like love it because it's like the thing they grew up with yeah. and they're like been the same breath say it shouldn't be political even though those are the most political Star Wars movies even you know though what that's, I mean? like, that's what George Lucas was like the most interested in that's why he made the fucking prequels all about Yes. taxes this like, is <laughs> political this... machinations yeah this one goes out to the people that still don't understand that the u.s is the empire this one goes out <laughs> <laughs> it's really this one's for the homies like it, yeah. it really is it's i guess I, I truly believe i i thought this with the last jedi when it came out and i think i can officially finally put andor in that canon too where i think the disney era has shown a lot of true colors with people and how they consume star wars mm -hmm. and i really think i only will trust people that like that, that like andor and they like the last jedi right i mean you can like any of the other ones too that's perfectly fine but how you feel about these two things and i'm not saying you're invalid it's like whatever if you have a different opinion than me but i'm just saying as far as like me trusting you with like taking your like opinion with merit or like right trusting your take on it and and there are people that have fair criticisms of the last shot like it's it's sure. not a perfect movie but when what we're talking about is like the people that are quick to be like mm, why are there black yeah. people and why are there women in my star yeah. wars that's not star wars mm -hmm. you're making it woke the liberal media is making my star wars woke by yeah. putting a black lady as the villain of obi-wan yeah fire kathleen kennedy yeah. yeah no 100 and i think you know the last jedi 
I, I mean, I, I have like a running gag with um a friend where I I still like he hates that movie. And I, every time he criticizes, I'm like, in the five years that I've like it's been out, you have not made one compelling point about <laughs> it. <laughs> like and and he's not necessarily on that train that you're talking about, but he like me and Joey were hanging out, um, and we were talking to this guy who was he hates Lost Jedi, and he was talking about like um, for example, like bombs dropping in space and how gravity, blah 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 blah. And then Joey went like, he's like, yeah, but like, what about like actual issues? He's like, <laughs> he's like, <laughs> and Joey, because Joey was like, uh, I forgot what he said exactly. He's like, because like, you can't tell me you give a shit about gravity. And then I, I went into something like, I'm like, well, if you really care about gravity, I can't wait to tell you that like the the Castle Run isn't real and like right exactly and like, like hyperspace is not an. Did you know that, that the force was made up? Yeah, I. <laughs> Like it's such a weird hill to die on of like specifics about like logic and Star Wars. I'm like, because like I it, even though it's like the Rise of Skywalker point where like Ray like heals that worm, it's like they made up that power. I'm like, they made it all. My up. guy, it's all. He, made I'm like, Leia wasn't his sister until the last movie. Like it, it's so Star Wars isn't yeah. real. It's all it's, made up. It it's all movie what? by movie, and like Ooh. obviously to a to a different extent with the sequel trilogy, sure. But yeah, my point remains. I think, yeah. and um, I and I guess you know to cap it all off, to talk about all the glup shadows and all the content and all the man babies and the crying. It, it's really nice to watch one of these that feels like it's for adults. Yes, you know? exactly for yeah. real this time. Yeah, yeah, for real. I feel like we were p- promised that so many times over with mando i mean mando you know it it seemed like and and the the good thing about mando is it's it's for it feels like it's for everyone yeah but but this one just feels like yeah like this one's this one's for real for adults but yeah i'm i'm really happy we got a chance to talk about it and and most of all like as a final thought i'm glad that i really feel like star wars has reclaimed a certain um relevance in terms of quality yeah um yeah that it used to have and and that it seemed like it was going to to have you know all the way back when Mm -hmm. the force awakens came out uh god we were we were so young back then so young um and now finally over trailers yeah yeah (laughs) and now finally it it seems like like i can i can wholeheartedly love star wars without an asterisk and that's the feeling that yeah. the show has given me and I'm, I'm very happy yeah i mean to me it's like there is still an asterisk i would say but i don't necessarily view that asterisk as a bad thing like i i love star wars i will always love star wars but you know that always since the beginning of time has come with a caveat here and there you know well yeah when you lump it all in yeah, you know when yeah. you lump in the prequels and yeah. you know rise of skywalker mm-hmm. and obi-wan of course yes. yeah but no i get what you're saying though like this is very it's obviously different we've spent the whole pod talking about how it's different and how refreshing it is and it because it, it is it, it feels like a breath of fresh air and i know that's like a term that's kind of overused but again it just goes to the very beginning of the conversation that we had you know in a sea of content in a sea of you know things that just like yeah just continuous dumps of content and like 
overworking and oversaturation of markets and streaming wars and you know just so it much feels like cinema it, it really does it, it feels like it excels past ip yeah. and it goes straight to just storytelling character work art and that goes back to the point that we were saying like how that feels like a low bar it, th- that's just something that used to be the norm but now it feels like something that's fresh like compelling characters like characters i care about and want to follow yeah but like i don't know what to tell you it just it's refreshing and it's gra- it feels groundbreaking almost i know that's silly to say about a star wars prequel show but it does because the, it has the bar was itself. the bar was low the bar and was now, low and now maybe the bar is high we'll see we'll see what I, happens from here all i know is that now i want a luthan action figure I would buy it. I would buy a Luthan Funko Pop. Um, and actually, I think I'm gonna have to get the the B2 emo uh, like uh, Funko Pop this Christmas for myself as a stocking yeah. stuffer. Um, the only thing I'll say before we hop off is the only upcoming Star Wars show that I'm mildly interested in is that Acolyte show. It's yeah, from... they they started shooting that, didn't they? Yeah, and it has the uh, it has like Carrie Ann Moss and um the guy from Squid Game. Yeah, and uh, I forgot the uh, actress's name, but uh, she's in uh, Bodies, 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 and The Hate You Give, and uh, Amanda Steinberg, I think her name is. Um, but yeah, she I know she's like the lead of it, but the main draw to that is it's from yeah. the showrunner of Russian Doll, which is great. Um, so I I really can't wait for that. I think that will be the real test for me about whether or not like we're gonna we're on a good track moving forward or if andor is right. truly have, have we leveled up or not yeah 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 I, and because you know i mean mando season two or season three comes out next year and that will be good and it'll it'll be but that's its own thing like the acolyte is really at least i believe so the next thing that's not feloni that's not gilroy it's the next new thing yeah so to speak yeah. so that's going to be the test and i hope at some point, is it? I don't know if it's 2023 or 2024. I hope me and Ernie reunite and yes. uh, talk about how much we love the Acolyte and how Still Star Wars that, is back. that rebel flag. Yeah. But um, but even if that's not the case, we, we will be back for Andor Season 2. Even if it's when I'm like 30. I, I don't care. I'll wait. I'll, I'll wait for it. It should be um, out next year if all goes I, I, well. I read, a, I read a quote that said um, Gilroy expected it late 2024. Oh, which never mind. <laughs> I, I don't know how. I guess the post production will be that yeah. bad, but it must I, be massive. Oh my god! Yeah, dude. but um, can't wait. Oh god! Well, thanks I'm for so, doing this, man. Yeah, cross I was about pod. to say because it's a cross pod. So I was gonna quote Star Wars. Uh, do you talk first? Do I talk first? Uh, do you plug first? Do I plug first? You you uh, go first. Let me go first. Um, so my name's Adam. In case you're listening on Wabam. Or if you're on AOK and you just forgot who the host name is. Um, and you can follow me on Twitter, Adam underscore not Sandler. Um, again, if you're listening on Wabam, you can follow the podcast on Aggressively OK on all the major outlets like Spotify, Apple, probably the one you're listening on right now. Um, and also my other podcast, Selenial Canon, which is still going strong after three years, going great. Talking about slime... 2004 movies every week it's it's soul crushing and amazing all at once it's the best you getting slimed when are you and kira getting slimed 
I as soon as we get nominated happen. for a Kids Choice Awards, uh, that, then we'll do it. All right. <laughs> Thank you all for tuning in. Thank you all for watching and listening. Please rate, review, subscribe, like, and comment. Let us know what you thought of Andor. Mm-hmm. And uh, tune in for more Robin Williams talk um, over on webottomike.net. You can find all the other Robin Williams episodes. Steadily, steadily moving in this series. We picked way too many Robin Williams movies, <laughs> and it's taking forever to get through it. It's all yeah, clogged. I felt like up. I got drafted for it like a year ago, and I'm still yeah. not on the pod for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's we're it, we're almost in the home stretch, but. It, we're we're in like full on award season right now, so we're watching oh, yeah. a lot of awards movies, mm-hmm. um, and pretty soon we're gonna do our whole best of the year. Um, so that'll be a lot to get into. But thanks yeah. for doing this, man. Um, and thanks to your listeners. If you all are listening on on AOK, check out um all the good stuff that we have going on on We Bought a Mic. And yeah, this has been great. Yeah. Love Andor. This is the synergy. This is it. This is this is what the Empire is afraid of. They're they're afraid of formation. They want to break us up. Us. They want to break up the rebe- <laughs> the rebellion. <laughs> Very weirdly fitting, honestly, in hindsight. <laughs> uh, bye, guys. All right. Thanks so much, man. <laughs> yeah.